Hey, thank you to Helix for sponsoring this podcast. Adam has had his Helix mattress for almost a year now, and he's loving it. It's it's actually hard to get him up. In fact, he won't stop talking about it. You'll understand what we mean when he goes into detail. Thank you for the detail, Adam, later on the episode. But for now, we want to tell our listeners about a special deal going on. Our Sleepy Time Pal Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and... As if that's not enough, two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash Paula. That's helixsleep.com slash Paula. This is their best offer yet, and I'll bet it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Coming to you live from our houses in Los Angeles, California, it's Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone, your comedy field guide to life. Tonight, polling the pulse of the public. But can you trust polls that say 52% of Americans don't trust polls? Mohammed Yunus, editor-in-chief of the Gallup Poll, picked up the phone when we called and he said, why yes, I have 15 minutes to answer important questions about polling. Plus, letter writing. Is sending a handwritten missive bound for the dead letter file? Dear United States Postal Service, please stay open long enough for Paula Poundstone to mail one last letter. Yours truly, nobody. I'm Adam Felber, the man who strives to keep our conversations on topic within the standard margin of error. And now, please welcome the woman whose standard deviation from the topic at hand always makes her an outlier, Paula Poundstone! Hey! Hey! Hey, you guys! Welcome, Paula! It's so nice to be, well, here. Uh, you know where Where's I am? here? I am, I'm in my bedroom slash office with my dog, Sirius. I have a folding chair on my um, treadmill. And okay. If if I accidentally hit a button, I am going off the back of this thing. Yeah, which makes me wonder why you've decided to set up on a treadmill. There's not a lot of room in my bedroom slash office. Yeah, and I guess that's why I, I have decided to set up on on the on the edge of a shark tank. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you no, no, no. You want to be careful with that. I bet you. Yeah. I bet you, Captain Crinkle. I know she has this fabulous outdoor furniture that's very expensive. It's high end. I heard about it's it. Unbelievable. It's, she it's, she got it through Honey.com, one of our yeah. sponsors. That's exactly correct, and she spends a lot of time out there. Just oh yeah, she's getting her money how worth. Much, it. She just sits out there and thinks how much money she paid for that furniture because it's <laughs> high end furniture. Captain Crinkle, are you on your couch? Actually, it's a gloomy day here in uh, California. Doesn't Southern matter, California. No, it yeah. doesn't matter. When you pay for high end furniture, by God, you put your end in that furniture, no matter what the weather is. Yeah, I could have That's the right. cushions inside just sitting around on them for wow. paint. That is amongst the cushion. No, I am upstairs in my bedroom, sitting on the bed, which, by the way, I haven't slept in for, I don't know, three or four weeks. I'm downstairs sleeping on the couch because I have been by myself for three or four weeks. And you know what? I don't give a fuck. I've got my, the same, I've got the same <laughs> pajama bottoms that I've been wearing for that long a time. I think I changed my T-shirt once, 
haven't brushed Bunny. their teeth. I don't see it. Bunny, you know what? Bunny, <laughs> Bunny, <laughs> nobody asked you about that. I'm no, but I think we asked is... where you were recording from. That's it. This I'm is so important not... information. It's you know not, what, Paula? It is. I am so glad we're not in the studio. And until this moment, I really hadn't been. But now, yeah. This is excellent. I'm setting the scene. I'm setting the scene. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank uh, you, you know for what? that. <laughs> if you are overtaken by the virus, the, the, the first responders aren't coming in. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I feel like we've gone deep enough into your life, Bonnie. Tony Anita Hall. <laughs> Tony Anita Hall. Let's see if you can do what Bonnie failed to do. Where are you Wait recording from? Bonnie, <laughs> no, can Paula. you tell us? Captain Crinkle. <laughs> Can you tell us where Tony is? I think that would be good. I think she's in her studio apartment, but I don't know if she's sitting at the table. She might be in bed. She only. She's we could ask the, her. She's in a studio apartment. She doesn't have a lot of choices. That's true. <laughs> so usually, what we like to ask Tony is, "Which way are you facing?" <laughs> we could ask her. We could okay, ask her I any of these things. Take, I just spit took. My coffee all over my computer screen. Doesn't Thanks, matter. Paul. Okay. It doesn't I matter. That's the play by place. Yeah, that's just the that's in keeping with today's theme. Tony, where are you? Um, I'm sitting. I'm sitting at my desk in in my in my office, facing west. In your all office. Right. You know in what? Don't you bullshit us. You don't have an office in a studio apartment. <laughs> No, for tax purposes, I do have an office. Oh, nice. <laughs> no, I used to do Tony. that in my apartment in New York. Absolutely. Yes. Tony. <laughs> Tony, is your is your office that little that little uh, formica table underneath what would what would normally be like the kitchen phone? Yes. Okay. You know? Yeah, that's nice. <laughs> Where does your assistant sit? <laughs> you know, Paula, before we um before yeah. we actually wrap up today's show, I'd like to welcome our house band. <laughs> the house so, band. A, a, a big a big welcome to tonight's house band, Jim Ross on the trumpet. Yeah. The house band Ooh. is my oldest friend in the world. Uh, we've known each other since we were 3 years old. He was my uh, my best friend and my chief rival. It wasn't until he went to Harvard that I realized there wasn't much of a rivalry and that he had really kicked this shit out of me by, say, first grade. But by golly, I thought he was just a strider too ahead of me for the longest time. You were neck and neck for so long until you realized yeah, you weren't. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was thinking. Turned out it was another kid I was seeing. Um, <laughs> it's a kid named Brian, I think. Uh, anyways, yes, he started playing the, the French horn um, he started with the trumpet in the fourth grade when everyone gets the band instrument, you know, and then the music teacher took his mother aside and said, well, you know, he's kind of really great at this. He should get a French horn. And from then on, I spent really the rest of our, you know, primary education years uh, trying to get him not to practice um, because <laughs> I just... I just thought it was boring. I just thought, like, would you stop that and come out and play kick the can? And so I spent and, my and, whole life. And let life... me ask you, Paula, let me ask you, what possible use did the trumpet and French horn practice ever pay off with? 
Honestly, what's he doing now? He's a conductor. Uh, oh, he, he's okay. a conductor of the Alexandria <laughs> Orchestra, and he's uh, performed all over the world and assembles orchestras, youth orchestras all over the world. So I was right and he was wrong. Let's face it. I think that's clear. Absolutely clear. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome, Jim, from Alexandria. Just last summer, he beat me in uh, a game of ping pong because he cheated. There. Did he cheat? Well, yeah. Or did he just beat you? No, he hit the ball in such a way as that I yeah. could not return it. Yeah, that's the that's not cheating, Paula. <laughs> oh. That's uh that's not cheating at all. Yeah. I'll tell you something, that's exactly why Roger Federer has that appliance store, because he knows he might be in a game someday with somebody who cheats like that, hits the ball in such a way that he can't return it. <laughs> And so he's got to yeah. have something to fall back on. I'm not even going to begin to unpack that. <laughs> Let's because move on. I'm, because well, I'm right again. <laughs> Adam Felbert. Adam. Uh, oh, no. Adam yes. Felbert. It is our French Trump. Hi, it's, French Trump. It is so good to talk to you. I, I wanted to tell you that I now have my own... French Trump press conference, uh, a That's French right. press, so to speak. <laughs> uh. <laughs> That's right. For those of you who uh, don't know, um, every Friday now, we're going to be releasing uh, press conferences with French Trump. That is correct. I have my own uh, press conference. I have no medical people standing behind me correcting me. That's bullshit. I don't need that. I have a natural ability born into the world with an ability uh, to understand the medicine. And that is why I'm now hold, holding my own press conference drops every Friday at 5 p.m. Uh, Eastern Standard Time. Um, I heard the first press conference, and it was um, very enlightening, French Trump. Uh, uh, thank you, Adam uh, Philbell. Eastern Standard Time would include such states as New York, New Jersey, New North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, Florida, <laughs> yeah, Maine, I, I, Massachusetts. I, yeah. These are all Eastern no. Standard Time states. Well, I, I would point out two things. Number one, most of us know that. And number two, we're not on Eastern Standard Time anymore. It would be Eastern Daylight Time. No, no. Yeah, the, no. the clock switched about three or four weeks ago. No, no. That is yeah, no, no, no. Right. They, they definitely did. We're not on standard time right now. No, it is. It is standard time. Standard time. No, it's daylight uh, time. You you know what? You don't know what? because you are not. You are where, where do you live? California? Yes. Yeah, that's right. I'm talking about the eastern states, Adam Felber. New York, Maine, <laughs> no, New Hampshire, no, I, I Vermont. Get it, you know, French I, Trump. I was born into the world with a certain geographical understanding. Uh, okay. the, the day yeah. I was born, I said to my mother, you make a left. Uh, that's the kind of, you know, instinct. I have an instinct. Instinct? <laughs> instinct. Ah, uh, I have an instinct for medicine and directions. <laughs> that is correct. Oh. Anyways, Fridays, look for my press conference on Fridays. Uh, you can go to paulipoundstern.com. 
<laughs> Fridays, everybody. French Trump, everybody. French press. You know, Adam. Yes. I I love writing letters. That's one of the things that I do with my time. Uh, every interview I do now, and I have done some during this period, people say, what are you doing? What are you doing with your time? I love to write letters. It's one of my favorite I things. I know that in the about you. World. But you know what happens to me now? What? I start, you know, I get like, dear, blah, blah, blah. Hope you and your family are safe. And then I realize I have nothing to say. <laughs> well, what yeah, because say? none of us are doing anything. I wrote to somebody recently and I said, I've been thinking of moving the hand soap refill to under the sink. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I remember in like junior high English when they talked about, you know, put in sentences will make your reader want more. And I, I, I just can't imagine. In fact, it's Jim's mother I wrote to. I wrote to Mrs. Ross. And oh, I'm really? sure that when she got to the end of the page, she was like, where's the rest? Uh, so excited to find out if maybe I'm going <laughs> to clean the silverware drawer. And I am. Uh, are you going to? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? Uh, everything in, the, in my house is being cleaned, too, because there's really nothing else to do. Yeah. Oh, um, oh, did I tell you? The pod puppy, uh, I trained her to clean my linen closet. She's fantastic. What? Yes. She what did organized she do? it. She folded the towels uh, and she organized things. She put the Christmas uh, hand towels on the top shelf. She got the can of beans out of there and the Nerf gun. She put the Nerf gun away. This sounds like one of those instances where you're confusing the pod puppy with Wendell, your assistant. No, no, it wasn't Wendell. But I'll tell you something. He better fear for his job about now because the pod puppy did a fantastic job. And all I had to do was say, go clean the linen closet. And she took off like a like a bat out of hell. Wow. So the pod puppy is not perfect. I don't want people to feel jealous. I don't I think anybody feels that. I got woken up by the pod puppy just a couple mornings ago. Um, I usually let her out around 7 o'clock, and frankly, I go back to bed for a little while. And uh, she, but I went back to bed, and she's out there barking and barking and barking. And finally, I, I, I was, you know, I tried, like, calling her as if that was going to make a difference. And finally, I got up to go see what the problem was, and there was a man in my backyard. Horrors! What? There was a man in my backyard. <laughs> he no! was He was, um, he was working at the house that they've been building for four years. You know, the one I've talked about before? With yes, the yes. If, if you're a new listener, Paula Poundstone's next door neighbors are building some kind of crazy three-level McMansion next to her and have been doing so since the previous century, it feels like. It's been, it's been four years. And yeah. every year at Christmas, well, not last year, but for three years, they gave me cookies with a little note saying, thanks for your patience. I think this last year they realized that my patience had run out and there was no sense giving me the trying to suck up with cookies. But I'll tell you, there are not enough cookies in the world to make up for this transgression. What he was doing was he was putting, first of all, they were, there's these Mr. Drysdale tall shrubs that's, that are in between uh, my house and the other house. The last people who live there. Mr. Drysdale. From uh, Beverly Hillbillies. They're very okay. tall. And so they were out there trimming those. So seven o'clock in the morning, that right, and then because he wasn't using, noise? it wasn't little clippings. It wasn't like 
It was so okay. Then when the the when the boughs fell in my yard, the guy came in the yard. The good news is he came in the yard to throw them over to the other side, which I appreciate. I'm not leaving them there the way they did all the cement shit in my mulch pile. But at the same time, a nice knock on the door or a phone call to say, you know, we're going to be in your yard. I mean, they're lucky the pod puppy didn't tear them limb for limb uh, or, or go in there and redo their linen closet. Um, but, you know, I'm out of work temporarily, I tell myself. But construction can still go on because... Gavin Newsom, who is uh, doing a fabulous job as our governor, by the way. I really think Gavin Newsom is doing a great job. I do, too. But he has said that construction work can still go on. Um, They can still do construction work. And apparently they decided that any really annoying job is okay to continue. So um, (laughs) I don't think that's the criteria. I think there's a different. No, the backpack lessons have not continued. Yeah, they have bagpipe lessons have continued because it's annoying. Um, no, I think you're taking it personally a, because you have construction next door. No, no, this is a thing. You can go on the um, California governor's website and find it. Yes. Any annoying job. Um, there was a, a Vavuzela meeting um, uh, on the other side of the oh, alley the v- from Vuzela, me. the Vavuzela, uh, the, yes, uh, yes, of course. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The- um they, the government is now paying dogs to bark because that's fine <laughs> to continue. Yeah, I, I, I don't feel like are, this is an entirely accurate representation. No, this is true. Captain Crinkle can back me up on this because, um, you know, she's my manager. So technically she, uh, she's not really making any money yeah. now either. But so her dogs, um, Crackle and Snap, have had to go to work. And so they just, those dogs bark like 24 hours a day. I would imagine Captain Crinkle is allowed to continue all her activities. Oh, yeah. If if what you say is true. Yeah. Yeah. She actually, um, Gavin Newsom, thank you, Captain Crinkle. Thank you for that audio aid, Captain Crinkle. You know what that was? That was her check from Gavin Newsom. She was just <laughs> crumpling it up. She doesn't fucking need it. She's so rich. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Those dogs are really making her a lot of money. I'm sure they are. Hey, you know, something. Thank you, Captain Crinkle. <laughs> God damn it, Bonnie. You know what's great? Is what? It's annoying even when we're not in the studio. <laughs> yeah, that is amazing. She is so able to do her job. Yeah, so that feeling, you know, we wondered, will we have the same feeling if we're not together? And the answer, I think, is definitively yes. (laughs) If Um, if by feeling you mean the feeling that that, that Captain Crinkle instills in, for instance, me, absolutely. Yeah, uh, yeah. Hey, Adam, I have a word. Do you really? (laughs) I do. All right. I have a a word. Um, It's Qatar. Oh, Qatar, yes. That's an old word. It's a noun that means excessive mucus in the throat or nose. Uh huh. Here, I'll use it in a sentence. Even if I'm quarantined, I'll never be alone because I have my guitar. <laughs> yeah, uh, that is that is true. You are you are maybe the most mucusy person I've ever met. I am. Yeah, it is. You know, I don't. 
talk about it a lot, but I I needn't. Um, no, it, it makes I, it makes itself clear. I mean, not I mean, you, you're you don't have nasal congestion. I, I mean, it's not like no, for I do. people who don't know you. You do. I do. I blow my nose a million times a day. We can get further in the car with no gas than we can with no Kleenex. <laughs> really? Wow. <laughs> All right, so yeah. Qatar is your word. Yeah, Qatar is my word. And you know, last week we had that wonderful lexicographer, and uh, she had such nice things to say about the educational value of my vocabulary song. She actually really, didn't, and I urge our listeners no, she, to go back and listen to her not saying that. No, she did, and it gave me it gave me a renewed. A, I want to thank her so much I think. because it gave me a renewed sense of purpose. Uh, it you shouldn't know. have. Yeah. It, okay. No, like others, sometimes I get a little down about myself, and then a thing like what we had happen last week, just with the accolades from this. Yeah, but there woman. were there were no accolades from her. No, there were, and I just want to thank her, uh, you know, and you know, and thank you guys for all these m- months of encouragement on my song. So here's okay. what I got this week. Ready? This week's word is guitar. <laughs> It's a noun that means excessive mucus in the throat or nose. You can hear it in every one of my shows. Last week's word was cataplexy. It's a noun that means a medical condition in which strong emotion or laughter causes a person to experience sudden weakness in the muscles. Ha, 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 I can't budge. The week before that, the word was lacuna. It's a noun that means gap or... Going back before that, we had tautology. It's a noun that means saying the same thing over again in different words, considered a fault of style. See you soon in a little while. And not long ago, the word was temerity. It's a noun that means rash or presumptuous daring. Let's never forget a free. It's a noun that means confused jumble or medley of things. Hodgepodge, who's podge, hodgepodge. Adam doesn't think my song is replicable, 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 but I do, I do, I do. Oh, my God. Wow, that was something else, Paula. Wow. I'll tell you something. That was really, really great. I left it all on the Glock, baby. (laughs) Um... Yeah, but you know what? With a with a yeah. little bit of uh, Lysol and a paper towel, you can clean that up. You know, the thing about Qatar is it just stays with you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Unlike the vocabulary song. <laughs> Paula? Yeah, I'm you sorry. Can stop pl- you can stop playing that Glock anytime. I was just jamming. Oh, my God. You know, what's frustrating is that a lot of musicians... Uh, and thank you, nobodies. Uh, a lot of uh, a lot of our nobodies are musicians, and many of them have contacted me saying, you know, could we jam sometime? Have they? And uh, you know, I'm just I'm I'm not available now because of the you know because of the virus. It's it's right. just one of it's just one of the ways it's interrupted our lives. Yeah, I would imagine that jamming with you on Glock would be somewhat difficult. <laughs> Why? <laughs> well. To my knowledge, you know only like one or two songs. To your knowledge. And your Glock. <laughs> oh, my friend. And yeah. your Glock, Adam, unlike the Glock the that 
No, I, Adam, I really don't. I want to make a point about the glockenspiel here. No, Adam, really. answer the phone. I would really rather not. Oh, answer hello. Answer the phone. Yeah, hey, Adam. It's, it's me, Mike Bum Bum Butterfit. Man, you're right. She knows like one fucking song. You know what I mean? The yeah. Word. She doesn't know any more songs. And then she can jam with every. And she can't <laughs> jam with anybody. You know what I mean? You yeah, are, Mike. Uh, you, what you mean is exactly what I just said. No, Mike. I think you're something like 55, but I really, I don't, Tony, what caller is Mike? 55. Mike 55. 55. Oh, thanks, Tony. I, I really like you. you know. Oh, that's good. That's nice. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I just, it, I think about her in that peplos, man. <laughs> okay. That's going to, that you're going to, you're going to leave that right where it is, Mike. <laughs> yeah. I was you know, when she was on that cruise, I was saying, yeah. fuck, if, if only I could get to that iceberg, man. I, really. Mike, Mike, this is inappropriate. This is highly of, inappropriate. I just think of Tony Anita Hall hanging off that iceberg in her peplos. You know, I would have oh, been there. Jesus, Mike. Mike. I would have been there like a motherfucker. I would have been there so fast, man. I'll tell you what. I, I used to have a cigarette boat. A what? And, uh, a cigarette boat. A cigarette boat. What yeah. happened to it? Well, it sunk. Okay. <laughs> Sorry to hear that, Mike. I'll tell you what happened. The tobacco got all wet, and then it just fell apart. Okay. Mike, Mike cigarette, <laughs> cigarette boats don't involve actual tobacco. Ah, uh, no. Mine was made of cigarettes, and uh, it just... I thought this will be great, you know, because I can go off on my own away from the, the, you know, the woman, and I can smoke my boat. And this, float. Is the, this is the most ridiculous and, thing I've ever heard from you, Mike. I, I don't. Okay, okay, I'm gonna let that go. I'm just gonna let it go. Yeah, Mike, why are you calling? That's, I was calling to back you up, man, because you're right. Paul Poundstone does not know more than one song on the fucking glockenspiel, man. She doesn't. And you know what? I don't know how what? you put up with her. She's a goddamn okay. bitch. I don't know how. Oh, no, no, no. Hey, now. Hey, Mike. Mike, yeah. we have we have standards on this show. And if you're going to call my friend Paula Poundstone that word, you might as well get off the phone. All right. I'll give you. I'll call you back, man. We'll hang out after the game. Good talking to you. No, we won't. <laughs> okay, it wasn't. Um, so I apologize for Mike Paula. He does that almost every week now. Man, he loves you. He just he, sh he, he is, sure does. He is but one my, of your my, followers. You know, if you were to call, uh, you know, a meeting, even though we're not supposed to gather in groups, Mike would come. Yeah, he would. I wouldn't invite him, though. <laughs> Coming up, Irma Bombeck wrote, I haven't trusted Paul since I read that 62% of women had affairs during their lunch hour. I've never met a woman in my life who would give up lunch for sex. Gallup Poland's editor-in-chief, Muhammad Yunus, is here to talk about why we should trust polls. That's when we return on Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. <laughs> You know, I have a house full of cats and a couple of big dogs. So I have this one cat who every night likes to stand in the hallway and yowl. And he has kind of a, a little bit like me because uh, of allergies, 
I don't know why he has it, but his name is Theo and he has a really grovelly voice. So he'll, it's, it's hard to describe it. I can't do a good impression, um, but it's a little dusty, gravelly voice. Okay. So earlier I was laying on the living room floor because I'm exhausted and I'm wearing a nylon fiber fill vest. As I'm laying on the floor, Theo shoves his head through one sleeve of the vest and crawls up and is now stuck inside in between my back and the vest and is yowling (laughs) because he can't get out. And then finally his head comes out the other sleeve and he goes out. What's not to love? That's what I say. What is not to love? Which brings me to this. Today's episode is sponsored by the ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program. Your pet is part of your family. You know that already. And you want the best for them no matter what. But vet bills can really add up. Go ahead, ask me. That's why you should check out pet insurance. And with ASPCA, Pet health insurance, you can focus on the care your pet deserves and cover what matters most. The ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program offers customizable accident and illness plans, making it easier for pet parents like you to help your pet get the care they may need. The ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program has been around for over 18 years, and they've helped more than 600,000 pets during that time. That's a lot of pets. They allow you to customize your plan, helping ensure that your pet's plan is as unique as they are. Because vet bills can really add up, especially when you're least expecting it. It's simple. Use their app to submit a claim and you'll receive reimbursement for eligible vet bills directly into your bank account. To explore coverage, visit ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash Paula. That's ASPCA. We spell that A-S-P-C-A. PetInsurance.com slash Paula. This is a paid advertisement. Insurance is underwritten by either Independence American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produced by PTZ Insurance Agency Limited. The ASPCA is not an insurer and is not engaged in the business of insurance. And if you're going to do it anyway, use our code. On this day in unremarkable history, Henry Ford said, you had one job. <laughs> Thank you, husband Jim Ross. Thank you, Jim. Paul, is it, do you feel like, in a way, you've been reunited with Jim? I do. And you know what? Apparently, despite me telling him not to practice, he kept practicing because that sounded great. Thank you yeah. very much. Actually, professionally, he's called James Ross. Master James Ross. Should we have been calling him James Ross? I can't. Okay, then, and I won't either. Now, Paula, let's move on. Do you trust, and I'm going to be very specific here, President Trump's approval rating? No, it seems impossible. <laughs> Why is that? I don't know, because, because he did stuff like, kept saying that the, the, the whole virus was a hoax. And I mean, that alone, if you, if you took every other bad thing the guy has done, and there's plenty, Right, uh, but if you if you took everything else off the table and you oh wait a minute the, the bud puppy is squeaking a toy could you hear it oh yes we could <laughs> um, I don't know if I can get her to stop hold on just a second oh I don't think there's any reason to get her to stop Paula we we've gotten this far without being professional uh, I think you're right. <laughs> <laughs> 
She'll give it up soon, won't she? Anyways, I think if you took everything else off the board that he had done, (laughs) and you left... And you, all right. I get. I'm gonna make a step. No, I think that. I think that if, if anything, the uh, the squeaky toy is adding to your political analysis. I I think. Uh, fucking dog. Um. <laughs> all right. This is what makes our quarantine show so so charming. You know what, Muhammad? She always did this, even in the um, studio. Um, That's so funny. Yeah, there was a problem. But we're gonna get around to introducing Muhammad right now. All right, no, wait, wait, I'm letting the dog go. Hey, Al? Uh, she's using a squeaky toy, unfortunately. Okay. Well, right, back on. to your... Okay, I'm okay. coming back. I'm coming back. Back to your point, Paula. You're saying that you, you, you don't understand how Trump's approval rating could be hovering around 45% when, in fact, he's uh, no. been messing up. He's, he's messed up not a little, but a lot. You know, we could have been more prepared. Um, we could have been battling this earlier on, this war that we're in with this virus, we could have gotten a lead on it. And and therefore, no, I don't believe any of these polls. It makes no sense to me. Well, I, I think there could be any number of reasons for uh, for Trump, Trump's approval rating right now. And I've got my own theories, but we have somebody here who can actually shed more light on it than even I can. On the phone with us, Paula, is an authority on polling uh, Muhammad Yunus is editor-in-chief of Gallup Polling. For the past 10 years, he has led some of Gallup's largest global and regional studies on social, political, and economic issues. He is also the host of the Gallup Podcast. Please welcome Muhammad Yunus. Hey, you guys. How are you? Oh, we are great. Welcome, Muhammad. Is, uh, is this isolation thing as crazy for you guys as it has been for me? Oh, yeah. Um, how many people do you have in your household, Mohammed? Um, we're supposed to only have three, but most days it feels like we have 15 in here. <laughs> My seven and four-year-old are kind of everywhere at once. Yeah, that's, that, that's absolutely right. I have right. a feeling, Mohammed, that that's what's happening with the polling numbers. No, yeah, you know, maybe you're onto something. <laughs> maybe you're onto something. Well, you're well I, I think doing it all Paula, in multiples I, of five. Well, let's start. Let's start with what we were talking about just now with Paula uh, Muhammad. Are we really sure that President Trump has that many supporters? Uh, I mean, yeah, we are based on the numbers and based on the science of uh, sampling and polling. Uh, those are the numbers. I know you mentioned forty-five. We have them currently at forty-nine, which is at a relative high. Um, but for only for him, right? And that's I think where a lot of people kind of stop the sentence. Um, everything is relative. And when you compare President Trump's approval ratings to every president in modern history, uh, there are two things that stand out. One is that they've remained low and they've consistently remained low. So a lot of other presidents, what we see is sort of a honeymoon period where people kind of give the president a chance. uh, It starts off higher and then goes through some challenges. Um, the most dramatic change, if you will, was George W. Bush. Who, I was about to bring that up because he had the highs of 9-11 and then he left in the doghouse, didn't he? Absolutely. He left about almost half of where uh, President Trump is today. Um, it's important to keep in mind a, another thing, too, and that there's also another kind of source of relativity, if you will, which is presidents in times of crisis. Well, right. we've, we've been tracking American uh, attitudes about their leadership, but also about 
pretty much everything under the sun that matters to leaders. Uh, since the Great Depression, it's actually when some of the first Gallup polls were ever fielded in the United States it was right as the Great Depression was was crashing. Back to the point on on uh, President Trump, uh, usually we see about an 18 percent increase in presidential approval after any kind of like a major national moment of crisis. Uh, President Trump, as of now, in, in our polling, uh, has gone up four points. Wow. Um, and the last time we uh, polled on President Trump's approval, uh, we pulled out of the field in the 22nd of March. We'll be updating our presidential approval number um, in about a week's time. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see where he's at. We've also, though, been polling about um, other actors, if you will, in the COVID crisis. Um, one of the really interesting uh, trends that we're already seeing or realities that kind of come up to the surface right away are people are much more positive on healthcare providers and their local hospitals in their approval of how they're handling the crisis than they are of elected leaders generally. Um, and generally speaking, in the U.S. in times of crisis and outside of times of crisis, the Americans tend to be much more positive about local government than the federal government at almost every level. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, Paula, you may feel like we can talk about what a representative sample is. You may feel that among those you're interacting with and the information you're consuming, there's no way uh, that half of the country is, you know, pleased with uh, the job the president's doing. That's exactly um, what I feel. You, 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 you intuited <laughs> that like share Eva. And that is called a a convenience sample. It's super convenient, um, but it doesn't represent uh, the whole population um, I, well, okay. of the country. I believe you, but what I can't understand is. You know, I know a lot of it has to do with, you know, that there's ways of phrasing questions. Absolutely. Right. But look at this guy said it was a hoax. It wasn't real. It was going to go away, you know, by Easter or in a week or two, or it goes away in April. Everything's going to be fine. He said those words. And because of that, and he knew even before that, he didn't prepare. How can you phrase a question that can make anybody in their right mind say, yeah, that's a good job. Not only that, but he has the balls now to say, well, I knew it was a pandemic from the start. Just that's nutty. It's nutty. <laughs> and and well, that's not convenient. <laughs> first of all, I should kind of go back and say, you know, at Gallup, since the 1930s, we're very committed to being neutral and nonpartisan. So our focus isn't really on, and we totally obviously love and support that Paula has a perspective on how the president's doing. But Thank what's you, most Kat. interesting to us and most <laughs> important to us is to really compare um, how the current leadership is doing to other periods uh, within, the, within moments of crisis, I think, relative to now, but just generally to all presidents. So if you go to our website, one of the coolest things you can do is basically compare the current president uh, to every previous president in modern history going back to uh, FDR um, to see how their approval ratings were going in various periods of their presidency. Um, you can kind of see what was happening in you know that time of history in America. So it's not, I mean, what Paul is saying is very common and, and totally understandable. The funny part is, there's a whole other 50% of people 
that feel exactly the inverse probably of what Paula feels, which is, I can't believe people are not overwhelmingly approving um, of this president. And, you know, we had a very similar situation with President Obama as well. Right. And of course, that might have to do with what media they're consuming. Okay, but how, okay, is it, is there something in the way that they're asking the question? I, I could so, never be a pollster, but how do you, how do you I, answer ask the question, Muhammad? Do you approve or disapprove of the way that President Trump is doing uh, his job? And that's exactly how we've asked the question um, of every president. But Paula, you make a very good point in that it really does matter not only how you ask a question, but where in the survey you place a question. So there are all oh. kinds of biases that can work their ways into public opinion polling. Um, one of the most commonly known ways is kind of question wording. So if you're leading the respondent on to sort of feel that there's a right or wrong answer, or you're giving the respondent a loaded question um, that sort of assumes two things before you ask them their opinion about a third thing, um, those are ways to really get data that are not very useful. But So like, very- for example, if you said, how do you think this lying motherfucker is doing? Right. You, that might tilt someone's response? Just a little bit. <laughs> Just a little bit. But, but at the same time, you could also say, you know, um, th- this, uh, this ice cream is the best you've ever tasted, isn't it? As opposed to saying, what do you think about the flavor of the ice cream? Um, right. So it, it's, you can ask it that way. The other thing you can do is have a survey where you're asking a bunch of questions that kind of prompt the respondent to be thinking about something in particular or having a negative attitude about something in particular. So I can ask, you know, for example, Paula, I could ask you, um, you know, about a series of decisions President Trump has made and whether you agree or disagree. And then I ask you, do you approve or disapprove of the president? So you're going to feel compelled to give an answer that's sort of consistent with what you just said previously. So those are two very common ways um, that that bias can kind of work its way in. The third most common way, and I think for folks that are listening that are not really pollsters but are being bombarded with polling information all the time, is to really check the source of who's funding the research. So one of the things we've done since the 1930s and continue to do is we're completely committed to never taking money from any special interest organizations or partisan groups to, to poll on anything. So we would never take money, for example, uh, from from Paula Poundstone, no, never. We would never do that. Right, well, I have good news for you. <laughs> well, I have very I, good this, news for you. I'm unemployed. I have no money to give you. <laughs> like you know, unfortunately, so many uh, increasingly now Americans. But I'd love to talk to you guys about the polling we've been doing around COVID um, because it has been really shocking to see the widespread impact of the current situation. Um, yes, course, absolutely. Paula, absolutely. Tell us about it. Yeah, so for the ba- basically for the past four weeks, uh, under the leadership of our uh, d- uh, chief methodologist, Jenny Marlar, we have activated what we have Wait, built Wait, can you back here. up? Sorry, yeah. Mom, what's a methodologist? A methodologist, so that's a great question. A methodologist is somebody who is part of a team of people who collect public opinion data, but their expertise actually is in how do you design a study to actually achieve what you're trying to achieve. So one of the things, Paula, to keep in mind is, and this is actually goes back to the point I was making about not only who funds a poll, but 
what are they claiming that the poll represents, right? So a lot of times we'll get a poll and it'll say, you know, 6% of Americans think this. And actually it's like a poll of LA, Chicago, New York, and like Denver. And if we've, you know, I grew up in LA, I live in DC, but I also went to law school in Lexington, Virginia, which is just beautiful and very rural. And I can tell you, those are two very different realities. Um, so to say that, you know, just a few respondents from very specific places in the country, and this happens even more globally, um, represent a whole country is really a challenge. What mm -hmm. Jenny and her team uh, are experts at is basically figuring out who are we trying to gather uh, opinion about and how can we do that accurately? Should we be gotcha. using a phone survey? Should we be using an online survey? Um, what questions should we ask? What questions do the best? How can we order the questions in the survey? Um, so they're very much into how to do the study. Um, the, the bias of being willing to participate in a survey has, has actually always been like a chicken or the egg question for uh, polling experts, like since the beginning of polling. But that also applies to a whole bunch of other things, like who's more likely to stay on the phone for 30 minutes? Who's more likely to pick up the phone on a weekend? Who's more likely to answer the door versus pick up a phone if it's a face-to-face -face versus phone survey? So there are you know, methodologists galore worldwide uh, study these things and try to test what are the methods that are most effective in certain contexts. Like for example, um, here in the US, we use phone surveys, but we also use our panel survey, which is uh, we recruit people via snail mail and then they can fill out the survey online. The benefit of that is we can get data much quicker. So since COVID has really kind of gone, gone into full-blown crisis for the past four weeks, we've been polling Americans every single day on how it's impacting them, uh, their well-being and stress and worry, uh, you know, how it's uh, impacting their employers, their concern about contracting the virus, their confidence in getting a test. And we're reporting on those findings um, on our website at news.gallup.com. What? Um, what? For those of you who are interested. But, Mohammed, but in, go what, ahead. What's important about statistics? Why, why pull any of this? And that's an excellent question. Um, yeah. Our founder, Dr. George Gallup, had an epigraph, which actually I looked up the other day means a quote that defines your career or your oh, life's mission. I love that. I don't think I have one yet. I'm, I, Paula, if you can help me come up with one. Yeah. Um, but his was, if democracy is about the will of the people, somebody should go and find what that will is. And he yeah. basically spent his oh. career trying to figure out the people's wisdom vis-a-vis -vis the issues they face, not because policy should basically reflect public opinion. And he was very explicit about this, um, but that he, his belief and, and our belief continues to this day that leaders can make better decisions if they have an accurate pulse on the people they're leading and the challenges they're facing and how they tend to behave in certain situations well you know george carlin said in most polls there are always five percent of the people who don't know what isn't generally understood is that it's the same people in every poll <laughs> stay tuned to hear more about polling from muhammad yunus hey 
Okay, Paula, it's been almost a year now since I got my Helix mattress. And as you remember, there was some drama surrounding Helix mattresses. Because oh, when oh Helix gosh. first sponsored us, Bonnie took the mattress and yeah. she's been loving it. But finally, I got my chance to get a Helix mattress and I sleep so well. I mean, the family bed is where we all gather. We watch movies in, in our room occasionally and everybody just piles on it and it it's comfy. And yet when one person hops on, the other half of the mattress doesn't fly up. I'm a fan. Well, you know, Adam, everybody is unique and everyone sleeps differently. That's why Helix has several different mattress models to choose from, each designed for specific sleep positions and feel preferences. Models with memory foam layers to provide optimal pressure relief if you sleep on your side. Models with a more responsive foam to cradle your body for essential support in stomach and back sleeping positions plus enhanced cooling features to keep you from overheating at night. And if your spine needs some extra TLC, they got you. Every Helix mattress has a hybrid design combining individually wrapped steel coils in the base with premium foam layers on top. It is the perfect combination of comfort and support. I agree with that last bit. I don't get all the technical stuff about the mattress, but it is soft and supportive. Helix offers 20 unique mattresses, the award-winning Lux, which I got, and ultra-premium Elite Collections, the Helix Plus, a mattress designed for big and tall sleepers, and the Helix Kids mattress designed for growing bodies and endorsed by child sleep experts, and my daughter now wants one. So, how will you know which Helix mattress works best for you and your body? You go to their website, take the Helix Sleep Quiz, and you find your perfect mattress batch in under two minutes. You know, when you said you can't follow all the technical stuff, it's really not that technical. You know, uh, no matter what way you sleep, they have a mattress that will support and comfort you. How hard is that? Uh, you know, when you say it that way, it seems a lot simpler. I take it back. That's my boner. And your personalized mattress is shipped straight to your door, free of charge. And Helix knows there's no better way to test out a new mattress than by sleeping on it in your own home. That's why they offer a 100-night trial and a 10- to 15-year warranty to try out your new Helix mattress. Well, I like that there's a warranty, but they can pry that mattress with my cold, dead hands. I took the sleep quiz. I was matched with the Helix Midnight Lux. I got the Lux. And I love it. It is such an upgrade from my old mattress. You know, I think Bonnie got the Midnight Lux. She did. Too. Yeah. You're not here. <laughs> <laughs> Don't want to take Adam's word for it? Well, you got Bonnie's word. Helix has been awarded the number one mattress picked by GQ and Wired Magazine. It's even recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Your Sleepy Time Pal Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. That's a lot, and it's already not that expensive a mattress. Go to helixsleep.com slash Paula. That's helixsleep.com slash Paula. This is their best offer yet. It's fantastic. It won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Well, not right now. And if you're going to get it anyway, use our code. And we're back with Gallup's editor-in-chief, Muhammad Yunus. Hey, guys. Did you enjoy your break, Muhammad? I, it was better than anything I've experienced in isolation thus far. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know, Paula, one of the things I get asked about a lot these days is socialism. 
and whether Americans are kind of warming up the socialism. The, the, the quick answer is actually they're not. Um, but what is happening is a considerable number of Americans are souring on capitalism. Um, That's interesting. And, but but are they are they warming up to are they not warming up to socialism uh, because you're using the word socialism? And that's a really, uh, really important part. So what we did is wanted to figure out what the heck do people mean by socialism? Um, and what we found is that mo about 20 some percent of Americans think of socialism as some sort of um, increase of social equity and fairness. Only 11 percent of Americans actually think of socialism as government controlling the means of production or like, you know, the kind of the more classical traditional yeah. term. But when we ask Americans, like, are you living basically in a socialist economy? Um, is the economy mostly government managed, private sector manager, a mix of both? Americans split into thirds in how they describe the economy. You are if you're rich. Wait, you are oh. which one if you're rich? You're, it's you a socialist. Are, if, you're a socialist if, you're a, if you're a corporation, you're absolutely living in a socialist economy. Well, you know, one of the fascinating things about this crisis compared to 2008, and I think a lot of that sector, Paula, um, really took off in two, after 2008, where people felt like there were these bailouts for the larger actors in the economy, um, compared to this rescue package that's, that's at least apparently, we think, hope, presented as much more focused on like small business and, and citizens. Mm -hmm. um, but but yeah, absolutely. We we've we've picked up since the two thousand and eight crisis this souring of uh, on, on the part of some Americans of capitalism, of the way that the system works, um, perceptions that the system uh, is rigged. Uh, today in America, seventy six percent of people say that corruption is widespread in government. Now it's important again to distinguish that that's not local government, that's like federal government, Washington D.C. Um, Americans are very, very positive on local government and, and actually see it as very non-corrupt. All right. Uh, you talked about methodology, right? Absolutely. Um, how can you possibly get, you know, a, a, a nice, neat result when you have so much data? Well, you know, that's, that's a great question. Um, and the, the, as a researcher, the benefit of that is that, it's, you know, at the end of all of these efforts is always more questions and more research to be done. Um, but it gets to, but you, you, you know, you get to an important point that you can really cherry pick data to say anything you want to yes. say. Oh, um, yes. And I think in the world of public opinion, especially I think here in the United States in terms of political public opinion research, um, we've really entered an era where that's being done. It feels at least a lot more than it used to. Um, you know, one of the things uh, that's one of the reasons we always kind of been committed to this nonpartisan approach, because we feel like if you can't certainly, you know, we're all human beings at Gallup, we're not robots. Um, and everybody has their bias as a person. But what we're trying to do is really check our bias uh, in a way that not only accounts for um, our own kind of human political uh, tendencies to see the world a certain way, but also reporting the numbers in a way that's transparent mm -hmm. um, and is consistent with uh, what listeners uh, may have heard of. It's called the American Association for Public Opinion Researchers. It's sort of right. the association of you know people who study public opinion and do it seriously. There are a series of standards um, to, to how you kind of not only report the numbers, but report how you gathered the data. 
back to that methodology piece. Right. Um, Let me ask you something. Um, do you guys have like an annual event, like a black tie thing? Uh, it's not even a black tie thing. It's a very hard working roll up your sleeves annual conference that like everything else has been canceled and gone virtual. I just, I just, I would so love a to entertain there, but B to just be among you. Like I can just see you at the buffet, you know, uh, you know, four out of five uh, people won't eat that cheese. I just, you guys must be constantly <laughs> giving one another data. Yeah. I, and how do you, how Muhammad, do you get your expertise? Did you take a, a class or like at these meetings of the American Association of Public Opinion Researchers, are there breakout Eight sessions like, like titled shit, like a show of hands? Are, are there, where did you? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. You know, actually some of the breakout sessions, Paul, are hilariously titled. Um, oh, bet. Oh, really, I'd love to see the catalog. But one of, one of the cool things about, you know, public opinion is it, it's very interdisciplinary. So if you were to go to APOR or if you were to kind of walk the halls of Gallup, um, you would meet a, a really interdisciplinary group of people. Um, the one thing probably that we all share at Gallup, at least I can speak for us, is uh, what we're trying to do is really measure things in a valid way, in a reliable way, which means like if you replicate it, you get the same numbers. Um, and in a way that helps, again, isn't just sort of survey says this is interesting data for this right. week, but really something that tells us about where are we now, where are we going, and what has happened in the past that can inform potentially what happens in the future. So, Muhammad, if, if, we, were to, if we were to walk the halls of Gallup, what would we see on the walls? Nothing right now. I mean, there would be nobody there. No, but what's on the walls? I'm, I'm just, just I'm wondering. Just Mot motivational <laughs> um, posters, charts? You know, that's really funny. It, it, one of the coolest things on our walls are quotes by Dr. Gallup. Um, we have uh, some very cool, very old uh, kind of like foam boards made of uh, 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 newspaper postings from the 40s, from the 50s, 60s, about different headlines uh, from polls that, that he and his colleagues were running. Uh, back in the day, but you also l read a lot about uh, Clifton Strengths. So one of the things we do at Gallup is this thing called Clifton Strengths. It changed my life. It changed everybody's life. I know that's tried it. If you haven't tried it, you should. Um, but you'll see a lot of the rooms named after our strength rooms. Your what? Your strengths? Yeah. So Clifton Strengths is uh, basically a, a framework that was developed by a Gallup scientist named Don Clifton. Um, in the 70s, Don Clifton was a World War II, um, a, 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 like basically somebody who led flights of planes bombing towns across Europe in World War II, came back from the war, wanted to do something uh, positive and productive, got started studying psychology, and, and he came up with the idea of why is psychology all about what's wrong with people? Why didn't we study what's right with people? So instead of telling me I'm schizophrenic and I have, you know, all of these anxiety and depression, what do I actually do as Muhammad in situations that have brought me to where I am in succeeding in, you know, making the setting out and achieving the goals I'm, I'm intended to achieve. So this guy, basically Don Clifton did millions of interviews uh, where he tried to understand what are the common themes, talent themes 
that people rely on to get through everything, whether being a parent, being a worker, uh, uh, being a, a partner in a relationship, uh, being a manager at work. And there's 34 themes. Um, at this point, his big dream, I think, was to have, gosh, I'm going to mess up the numbers now, like a thousand people that didn't never met him to take it. And today we're almost at like 20 million people across the world taking Clifton Strengths. So my number one theme is Relator, which means that the way I lead, succeed, work, develop, create is through relationships. Uh -huh. Other people, the inverse of Relator is like woo. If you lead with my, my, our chairman leads with woo. A woo is somebody who will go into a cocktail party and meet every single person at the party. And every single person probably leaves saying, wow, that, that person was really interesting. I should connect with them. Relator, Why do we call that person a woo? Because, they, because they're basically wooing everybody in the place uh, to, know, to kind of know what they have to offer, to experience what the other person has to offer. A relator, so I'm a relator. I would go into that same room and I'd find Adam, who I know really well, and I'd spend the entire night sitting there talking to Adam, building on our relationship, coming up with our next big entrepreneurial endeavor, et cetera. So sorry, it's, Paula. It's, no problem. Paula, you're totally out. I'm so, the <laughs> well, I'm just, it's, but it's interesting because um, what strengths is about is trying to understand what are the things that naturally, that I excel in naturally and investing more time in those themes and creating more intention around how those things play out in your life. And the application is literally like universal. It's, it's, it's in everything. It's really cool. My wife, her number one theme is, um, is uh, restorative, which means you're a person who naturally sees things as broken that need to be kind of fixed or you're motivated by trying to fix problems. So that's probably the number one reason why she married me because she realized this person needs to be fixed. <laughs> <laughs> How can me and Paula take this test and find out what our strengths are and what kind of person we are? Oh, you just go, just Google Clifton Strengths. You can take the assessment online now in our digital world. Paula, um, we got to do will, that. Yeah, we should. I will totally, I seriously, I, I, I encourage you guys to do it only because I guarantee you it will trip you out how much it will be on the money. Oh, I have to ask you one more question. So when my daughter and I would watch the news together sometimes, my oldest daughter and I, and they were telling what group voted for who and who supported what, sometimes they would say like what women supported, and then they would say what, you know, African-Americans supported. And my oldest daughter is both African-American and a woman. And I would always say to her, honey, which group are you in? Um, isn't that weird that they keep doing that? Well, I think you make a really good point in that people's realities, I think, are increasingly not defined by the stereotype categories we're trying to place them in. You know, one of the other ones, Paula, is millennial. So like a lot of people like the stereotype millennials as like these latte drinking, mall go. And a lot of them, I'm sure, are. A lot of us are. Um, but, you know, there are a lot of millennials whose parents are also living in Rust Belt America and whose communities have completely fallen apart because of economic challenges they're facing. Um, right. So I, I completely agree on, I think on every level, racial, economic, geographic, um, the more that we can get away from kind of these overarching stereotypes and study everybody's reality just through numbers, 
um, I think that the closer to the truth or the various truths they're living, uh, we'll get to. That sounds great. Thank you, Muhammad Yunus, for, for helping us understand how to read data. But now we're going to take the data that you've given us and we're going to run it through the old Houndstonator. Paula? All right. This is one of my favorite moments in my whole life. James Ross, can I get a little background music? And I'll, I'll tell you what my takeaways are. Perfect. I had always assumed I knew everything about methodology because I was raised Methodist. But Muhammad never said a word about square dancing, Jesus paper dolls, or potluck suppers. I suspect now that my own hobbyist polling may have been flawed. I often got in front of a group of people at an airport gate and asked, which one of you nutters voted for this lying, cheating president? I've never found one. Muhammad mentioned Clifton's strengths, of which he says there are 34 themes. He said there are wooers, relators, restoratives. I, I don't know the whole list, and you're only supposed to be one, I think. But I think it's going to turn out I have a lot of them. Cat gatherer, staller, <laughs> vacuumer, sifter, damp mopper. Remarkably soft tri-poly blend t-shirt with a self-portrait on the left breast and a memorable quote on the back. Seller. <laughs> All right. He is editor-in-chief of Gallup Polling and the host of the Gallup Podcast. Thank you so much for being on our show, Muhammad Yunus. Woo. Thank you, Muhammad. Coming up, Tony Anita Hall opens up the listener mailbag. Keep those virtual oh cards and letters coming. They can't quarantine our email. Hey, Paula. You know, every once in a while, we get a new advertiser that I get super excited about. And I have to say, just because of the circumstances of my life right now, I'm really excited about our new advertiser, Quince of Quince.com, the clothing provider. Not to be mistaken for Quince from Midsummer Night's Dream. And let me just say this, and maybe it's not important to an advertisement, but when I was in the fourth grade, our class put on a production of A Midsummer Night's Dream. Okay. And I played I played Peter Quince. There, there's the connection. One of the mechanicals. That's a great connection. Also, yes, has nothing to do with this, which is that um, Quince is an online clothing store. And as you know, Paula, I've, uh, I've lost a little weight lately. Oh, right. 75 pounds, yeah. So I literally have no clothes that are in my size until I just ordered some stuff at Quince. And I figured like, here's a chance for me to create a new look for myself. A whole new image. And how's it going? Not bad. I mean, the clothes are fantastic. I know that you ordered some too. What I got is I got yes. the Comfort Stretch Traveler five pocket pants. And I got oh. the, um, oh, it's so, and I got the 100% European linen shirt and it looks breezy and it fits beautifully. And these are like premium pieces of clothing that are selling for like, you know, $30 a piece or starting at $30 at quince.com. It's awesome. I look good. I ordered the brushed lounge jogger Ooh. and you know i put them on when i came back from new york i pulled them on and i i swear to you okay this is not scientific because i was tired already right but they were so soft <laughs> <laughs> 
and so comfortable that honestly, like right as I got them up to my waist, I I, I think my eyes closed. They're so, co- it's a softness. It's a kind of softness that I don't think I've ever experienced in a garment, honestly. You know, my uh, drawstring European linen trousers are a little bit like that too. Like so comfortable that I just want to hang out with myself. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. And they're European. Keep that in mind. Uh, oh, European. they are so European. And you can get those kind of, you can get washable silk tops. You can get uh, 14 karat gold jewelry and like all these accessories. When sells a lineup of timeless pieces that keep their customers looking effortlessly chic year after year. I'm not certain that I look chic, but certainly if I did, it's not going to take a lot of effort. I now look chic and I feel pretty great. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabric. It's all good as far as I can see. Is it my imagination or do they cut out the middleman? They cut out the middleman, Paula Poundstone. I love it when they cut out the middleman. That's the thing, they cut out the middleman. <laughs> That's fantastic. So be like me and Paula. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash nobody for free shipping on your order and a 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash nobody to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash nobody. Nobody. And honestly, I look fantastic. Paula, you won't be able to keep your hands off me. Oh, I can't wait. And don't (laughs) think that if you had to return something, don't think you're sending it to a middleman because they cut out the middleman. They cut out the middleman. That's quince.com slash nobody. And if you're going to do it anyway, use our code. And we're back. Thank you once again, house band Jim Ross. Hey, Polly, you know what I did this week? What? I taught my daughter how to ride a bike. Wow. And I bring this up on the show because I told you this on the phone, and you told me that you disapproved of the way that I taught her. I didn't say I disapproved. I said that people learned. You said this is the only way to teach how to ride a bike, and what I said was, People have learned to ride a bike for centuries, for heaven's sakes. Right. You don't have to do it that way. I didn't say you had to. Tell the listeners how you taught your daughter to ride a bike. I tried to teach my son how- The first thing he did was scare her. He said, I'm going to get you. And she had to get out. Yeah, exactly. No, what I I did was- um, He taught his son to drive a car the exact same way. Yeah. You just have to let them know that if they don't get away, they've had it. Right. Yeah. All right. So several years ago, I I tried to teach my son how to ride a bike and I tried to teach Mm -hmm. him the way that my dad tried to teach me the way that so many uh, dads try to teach their kids and moms how to teach their kids how to ride a bike, which is you just kind of like run alongside the bike holding it and then you let go. Right. Now, this didn't work to teach my son. And so I eventually had to learn how to teach him. He was taught by he took a class and I watched this teacher teach him and the teacher taught him how to ride a bike in like an hour and a half. And I thought, mm-hmm. wow, it took me days with the dad running and the me falling thing. And it turns out mm-hmm. that, like, to teach a kid how to ride a bike, you take the pedals off, l- let them learn how to balance. And once they can coast along balancing, you put the pedals back on. And then they learn how to ride. And it worked. You know, I, I got to tell you, my father did a similar thing, except for he took okay. off the handlebars uh-huh. and the seat. <laughs> yeah. He was trying and to kill I, you. Yeah. I, I tell you something. He took off the wheels and the handlebar and the seat. I rode around on a goddamn bell. 
all over the neighborhood. It was. That's it's impressive. No, you. Uh, another reason I bring it up is that you've never learned how to ride a bike. Yes, I did. Didn't you tell me you don't know how to ride? No. Oh, okay. I didn't tell you that. I just I told you, you I rode a bell all over the neighborhood. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> anyway, then yeah. to get to the point. I used to, I used to clip a playing card to my lower lip. And while I was falling down, um, it would hit stuff. And, and it sounded like a motorcycle. <laughs> <laughs> Answer the phone. Answer the no. phone. No. Answer the phone. <laughs> this happens when you're mad at me. No, go ahead. Answer the phone. I don't want to. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> hey, Adam, it's just me, Mike Bum Bum Barfett. You, you know yeah. what? There's only one fucking way to teach any kid to ride a bike, and you have it. You take the you take the pedals off, and then you wait for them to behave themselves, and then you put them back on. That's exactly right. <laughs> M Mike, I really didn't need your help on this. And then you say to your kid, you're not getting those fucking pedals to you. Do your homework. And that's so important during this homeschooling period that we're going through. Keep keep that in mind, parents. <laughs> Mike, I, I, I cringe uh, to ask this, but do you have kids? No, I don't have any kids. No. I'd like to have kids. I'd like to have kids, but I'd like to have lots of them with different women around the country. What? Why? <laughs> Just to get laid a lot. That's really all. <laughs> uh, no, I like I like to get laid in every state, and uh, I just you know, man, the idea of getting an erection in Florida is just <laughs> so cool. You know what I mean? Well, well Mike, Mike, according to you, you were in Florida last week. Yeah, but I didn't, I didn't get laid. I didn't get you laid. Didn't. I'll be honest. I'll be honest, man. You know what? What you happened? Always, you know, a lot of guys won't be honest about that, but I will be. You don't always get laid when you're in Florida. But I really like to get laid in Florida because, okay. you know, there's something to me about having an erection in a state that looks like a flaccid penis. That is just so... <laughs> I just love that idea. You know what I mean? It's just like, it's just, a, I, I just, to me... You know, I mean, I can get laid in Kansas, but who gives a shit? You know, it's not the right shape. Oh, Mike. <laughs> Although, don't, get, don't get me wrong. I do want to get laid in Kansas. No, I no, no. I, 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 I would like to get you wrong. Mike, I would like to end this conversation. Is that possible? Yeah, it's good talking to you, man. It's really good talking to you. Feel free to call anytime. I've never called you. Well, that's what I'm saying. Feel free to call anytime. Bye, Mike. <laughs> See you later, Adam. Good talking to you, man. Good talking to you. Paula, uh, you know, we've got producer Tony Anita Hull on the line here. Hi. All right. Yeah. And you know what it's time for that means. She's holding a big stack. What does that mean? She's holding a big stack of di digital mail from our listeners. That means it's time to open up the mailbag. <laughs> mailbag. <laughs> wow, I miss it. I miss our in-studio bands. Um, all right. Well, I don't know. I feel I'm missing it, Adam. Yeah, you oh, know what? It. I feel like you got okay, that ready? there. Wait, you want to do okay, it again? Ready? Okay. One, two. Mailbag. Okay, that was great. That was a... I mean, you seem to have successfully replicated a doorbell. I'll take it. All right, Tony. Tony. Maybe... Yeah. Maybe you just say it and and Michael can put it in underneath. Yeah. 
Because I really, I really nailed it, Adam. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> yeah, you can stop nailing it now. I mean, one of the one of the great things about a experienced house band is that they know not just what to play when, but when not to play. Yeah, I'm building up that experience now. Yeah, and you just hey, Tony. Mailbag, yes. Tony. Mailbag. Oh <laughs> what do you got, Tony? What do you got? Okay, so here we go. Uh, Jack Johnson wrote, I am a loyal nobody who listens every Friday on my commute. It takes me a little over an hour, so it fits with the normal length of your podcast. Today I started number 85, and I noticed that it would take an hour and 38 minutes. My immediate thought was, uh-oh, they must be going to invite Bonnie Burns to the microphone. And sure enough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I got to tell you, Jack, uh, you called that one. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you know, well, she does. You know what? About Captain Crinkle? Yeah. She doesn't have the experience yet. <laughs> yeah, well, I feel like she she's got a lifetime of experience. And when to stop. No, she doesn't know when to crinkle and when to stop crinkling. That's for sure. But there's that. There's. She was, I think there are some people who can't learn. <laughs> no, no, you know the late Kenny Rogers had that song, "The Crinkler." Yeah, you gotta know when to fold them. Know when to fold them again, only louder. Know when to keep folding them. Know when to crinkle them. <laughs> know when to fold some more. Yeah, you gotta have that. All right, Tony. What else? Okay, so Jack Johnson, you're you're almost as clairvoyant as, as Cher Eva. That was amazing. Yeah, what you did. yeah. You you saw that coming. Yeah. All right, Tony. I wonder when he when he saw it. I wonder if he went. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> I I bet he did. I bet he did. All, All right, Tony. Tony what, what else is in the mailbag? Dear Paula, God damn it, Paula. Through Rachel. Oh. <laughs> Paula. Mailbag. Go ahead, Tony. <laughs> no, now you stop. It's an easy musical I assignment. I had to stop for a minute because I was moving my guitar. Yeah. <laughs> you know what, Paula? It's Otherwise, I sound like... If, if I don't move my guitar every few seconds, I sound like Lee Marvin in, <laughs> in Paint Your Wagon. No, you are one of our nation's foremost guitarists. Yeah, that was a that was a joke for people my age and older. <laughs> and so is that. Okay, ready, Tony? Ready? I'm I'm so ready. Okay, go ahead. Um, go ahead, Tony. Dear Paula. Dear Paula and Adam, screw, yeah. <laughs> screw, screw Rachel. Uh, the simple sample dialogues are my favorite part of the show. I drive 45 minutes each way to work, and I wish your podcast was longer. What, el what else am I going to listen to? That This American Life trash? Y'all are the best. <laughs> Talk all you want. I'll keep listening. Kristen Coleman. Kristen. Wow. Wow. You, I, I, yeah. I would... I would stop short of calling this American life trash, Kristen. Right. As a, a politic NPR employee, I would stop short. Uh, no, I very much enjoy this American life. 
Uh, I do I too. Really, th I thank you so much. Um, really, for your screw Rachel sentiment. Uh, <laughs> who tried now for for those of you who don't remember Rachel is a a listener who wrote in a, a few weeks ago to let us know that our podcast she wrote is getting into Adam she wrote into <laughs> our mailbag segment <laughs> to let us know that she that thank you Paula to let us know that our podcast was becoming too long no no that that what didn't make any sense at all. <laughs> Anyway, she wrote in to let us know that she thought that. Stop it! God damn it! You know what I was just having, Adam? I was having that thing from the word last week where you have an emotion that's so strong that you're immobilized, except for when my emotion got strong, I couldn't stop doing that. That can happen. Yeah, I guess that could happen. But, you know, instead of playing that, just go back to coughing. <laughs> Go ahead, Please. go go ahead, Adam. Go ahead, say what you were gonna say. I was gonna say that our that that our <laughs> God damn it, I hate that. Paula, I had a full sized eighty eight key weighted keyboard on this show two weeks ago. Yeah, <laughs> you should have really I played it, Adam. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't do that. <laughs> ah! yeah, well, this is more. This is more portable. This is easier yeah. to reach. Um, don't you wish we were in the studio together right now? So much, because then I could be able to break that, break that fucking thing in half and throw it out of the studio. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, I missed the opportunity to do that. <laughs> anyway, um, I was just reminding our listeners that Rachel was the one who thought that our show was getting too long, and yeah. Interestingly enough, that complaint came in right before the whole coronavirus thing hit. Right, because Rachel brought down energy to the universe. I, I was going to say, it's for one, I bet a lot of people who are stuck at home are no longer thinking our podcast is too long. And also, if you're wondering what caused this coronavirus epidemic, you know, I'm not saying Rachel's responsible, but I'm not saying she's not. No, it was negative energy in the universe. I would, you know, I would venture to say, however, that there are many people that are stuck at home who still feel that the podcast is too long. <laughs> I'm one of them. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah. Tony, Tony, let's continue with mailbag. Yeah. With oh, what, uh, Adam? I said it. You should be ready. Uh, Adam, what are we continuing with? Mailbag. Mailbag. <laughs> Go ahead, Tony. Okay. Um, is Scott Franciscus going to send us all a stimulus check? David Renteria. Oh, that's oh. an excellent question, David. You know, Scott Franciscus has been such a fabulous benefactor to he nobody hasn't. listens to Paula Pound. So I just want to thank him again. In no uh, way. You know, he didn't he have the highest bid for the um uh for the trail mix, the Shirley yeah, the, Chisholm the, trail, the trail Shirley mix. Shirley Chisholm trail mix on our on our online auction. Of and I think he also had the uh, Crystal Sutton um, lint ball. Uh, yeah, I no, he's. If, I guess he's been taking part in our in our online auctions, but to to date, yeah, the only actual money we know he spent was the money he spent postage due when he received that bar of hotel soap 
um, mailed by Tony Anita Hull in a regular envelope with one stamp on it. Well, yeah, he that required postage too. Um, but that's not usually how we function. But um, he definitely wrote the check, Adam, for the... Um, I forget which item he purchased uh, at the auction, but he definitely wrote the check for that. Uh, oh, he did? You've received yeah, my it. Bookkeeper, my bookkeeper, Olga... Um, <laughs> Always right. skims a little bit off the top, and I saw her wearing a nice outfit the other day. Oh, so that must be the work of Scott Franciscus. All right. Yeah, um, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty certain. Tony, is there anything else in that mailbag? <laughs> mailbag. Uh, we have one for Captain Crinkle. Uh-oh. Uh, oh, let, boy. Let uh, Ca- Captain Crinkle, this does not mean that you have to respond to it. You have the option of being the strong, silent type. Oh, God. You know, Captain Crinkle has a daughter, and when her daughter was a baby, she used to put bubble wrap on the outside of her diaper. <laughs> I believe that. So every when the kid was trying to learn to walk, Every time she fell over, it was like uh, fireworks. I I can't imagine how much extraneous noise um, is in that household, and how how her how shell shocked her daughter must be by this point. <laughs> her daughter doesn't seem to notice. Um, part of it is because Bonnie has just been in isolation on her couch for a couple of months now. Right. She's been self-quarantining. Yeah. She was, Bonnie was self-quarantining before it really was a thing at all. Yeah. She's been self-quarantining from her own bed. <laughs> she's like, fuck that. I live on the couch now. Yeah. She's really the queen of horizontal. She has a couch. She has a bed. She has a huge, very expensive outdoor lawn furniture thing that I am just blown away by that idea. What, that um, she's got expensive lawn furniture? Yeah, yeah. Why it is just that? Seems so, I, I, I wouldn't have, it wouldn't be the first thing I would have guessed about you, that you had like high end, that this would have been your dream your whole life. Finally, you were going to get your hands on some really expensive lawn furniture. <laughs> it was a splurge. No, I wouldn't have I guessed guess. that either. What I would have guessed, yeah. first thing I would guess about her is that her floor is made of Fritos. <laughs> um, <yeah. laughs> that would have been my first guess. It's how she, it's how she keeps the cat inside. <laughs> All right. What do we got? <laughs> You know, Paula, if this podcast thing doesn't work out, you could always end up as a musician for elementary school announcements. I think you're right, Adam. <laughs> Adam, answer the phone. Uh, really? Yeah, We're in the Adam, middle answer of, the phone. We're in the middle Adam, of the mailbags. Hello? Hey, Adam, it's me, Miss Nancy. And you know, <laughs> that is such a great idea you had for Paula because um, we do... Now I'm teaching online, and you know, in fact, I have put uh, my online instruction is on uh, 
PaulaPoundstone.com and also the Facebook page. Uh, That's right. The Nobody to- Listens to Paula Poundstone Facebook page and PaulaPoundstone.com now have Miss Nancy's what looks to me near daily instruction for students who are home. There, there is a lot because there's so much. I am a first grade teacher from Fairbanks Elementary School and there is so much for the first graders to keep up with. That's right. Uh, that, that yes, I have made a lot of online instruction, uh, but this is a really great idea that you've had for if we ever do return to an actual building where the students come in and they line up, which is pretty much what you work on for the first year. It's lining just up. Line up. Yeah. yeah. Um, if we ever, you know, line up, we're going to work on lining up. I say that a million times a day in the classroom, but of course it's hard to say it in online instruction. Line up, and the kid just stands by themselves. Well, that makes no sense. But yeah, I and think te- this idea, technically they're already online anyway. Online. Oh, that's different. That's different. Online from lining up. Is very different. You're good. You know what? You would make a lousy first grade teacher because that's just the kind of thing that confuses everyone. You know, I have a student named Russell who won't sit the fuck down. And just that kind of thing, like online lineup, that's the kind of thing that can throw Russell for a whole semester. And by the way, am I, uh, am I the hundredth caller? No, I believe you're caller number 57, I'm going to say, or 58. Are you making it? Tony, Tony, what caller is she? Tony Anita Hall. She's 57. 57. Thank you, Tony. And Adam's just making up the numbers. I'm not making them up. He's making up the numbers. You know what? I'm going to warn the callers. Because you're making up the numbers, Mr. Felber. I can have your whole show shut down, Mr. All right. Well, thanks Thanks for calling, Miss Nancy. It was a a welcome break from some of her other callers. It was nice talking to you, Mr. Felber, and I look forward to being the hundredth caller so that we can hang out after the game. Okay. <laughs> In the event that there are ever games ever again. Uh Tony Anita there Hall. Will be games. Oh, there will be games. All right, bye-bye. 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 All right. Um, you guys. <laughs> All right. Tony, I, I usually treasure our mailbag, but are we done with it yet? I think no. we should be done. Is there? What, a, is you, Tony, do you have any others? I, I do have Bonnie's correction if we if we'd like to hear it. Sure. Yes. Absolutely. Okay. okay. <laughs> Fuck you, Rachel. Fuck you. <laughs> uh, let uh, Bonnie know that the New Madrid fault is pronounced New Madrid. Emphasis on mad, not dread, like in the city in Spain. And that's from Katie in Albuquerque. Wow. So Bonnie had said this when we were talking about our eighth grade science experience. But here's the thing. Bonnie looked it up. She didn't remember how to say it because she Googled it. And this is just another example of how when you behave in an unethical way, it comes back. I know, but like in the Madrid. To, to 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 be to be fair, Bonnie can't help but do that whenever you ask her anything. <laughs> I mean, you can ask her, you know, what she was just snacking on. Was it Cheetos? And she will be like, "Well, I googled the Frito Lay Corporation." 
Yeah, she's a she's a Googler. She's a horizontal Googler. No, yeah. I'm trying uh, to be helpful. Oh, is that what it is? <laughs> yeah. She's trying to be helpful. Great. Because we're apparently done with mailbag. Wait a minute. Adam, we're done with what? God damn it, Paula. <laughs> Adam, what we're are we done with? We're done with mailbag. Mailbag. There we go. Yeah. Okay. And we're moving as on. As a musician, as a musician, you just get an instinct. You know what I mean? Yeah. Would you? You can. Um. You could probably put that that old Glock back in its case now. Uh, this Glock and Spill has been handed down in my family for many many years. My father uh, is a German uh, Poundstone. Used to uh -huh. be Fundenstein. And they uh, made a name for themselves in the in the glockenspiel industry. Yeah. Um, you know, Paula, this is the part of the show where we uh, generally go to Quarantine Corner, where we offer helpful tips, uh, exercises, things we remember from school. You know what, though? Today, instead of doing that, I, I was just at the grocery store yesterday. And I just want to say thank you to the grocery store workers. You know, the people yeah. putting the stuff on the shelves and... And ringing me out, they still couldn't be nicer. And I see people give them a rough time all the time about, you know, you can't bring your own bags without bagging your own stuff and the way the aisles and having to wait for, you know, the six feet. And people get mad at them. And uh, and I know they don't mean to. Just, you know, emotions are running a little high. And I just want to thank them. I, I want to echo that because thank you to those workers. And also, if you're out there and you're grocery shopping, that's one of the few times uh, of your week that you're actually going to interact with strangers. Um, so make it a positive one. Thank them. Absolutely. As you're ripping the toilet paper rolls from their hand, <laughs> thank them. <laughs> As you're elbowing an old lady to get at the last bag of rice, even though you have three in your larder already. You know, there's no shame in that. Some of us like rice more than others. <laughs> I have to be honest with you. Yeah. I wouldn't mind getting to do my job and get paid. Let me just say that. Okay. <laughs> Point taken. And we'll are be back with more. Are there still bankers, Adam? If I went to the bank, are there bankers? Well, are bankers annoying? No. Oh, then, so then that no. wouldn't. Oh, because I was thinking, you know, with... With customer after customer coming in with masks on, that's going to scare right. the shit out of them. Yeah, it's, it's a bad day for bankers. Actually, I do believe that banks are open. Are they? Oh, I didn't I didn't know. Having no right. money, it never right. occurred to me to stop by the bank. Yeah, well, there you go. All right, we'll be back with more Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone right after this. <laughs> Fun fact, the act of banging your head against a wall for one hour burns precisely 150 calories, which means that if you really want to lose weight, just hang out with Bonnie Burns. <laughs> All right, we're back, Paula. You know what, Adam? What's that? While you and I were talking... Uh, Bonnie, Captain Crinkle Burns, uh, looked up. She actually listened to an old episode while we were on. And right. she discovered that uh, she can't do one thing at a time. 
Uh, no. She discovered that Scott Franciscus was the high bidder on the paper mache head from the Alcatraz escape. Yeah. Well, you know what? The part of that that I disbelieve the most is the idea that Captain Crinkle looked that up during our little break. It was absolutely Tony Nita Hell telling Captain Crinkle, wasn't it? No, it, it wasn't. I looked it up. Really? Yeah. You did? Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Tony right. Anita Hull would stay. So Tony Anita Hull uh, would stay focused on the work at hand. <laughs> Touche. That's why, All right. You know, I love that Tony Anita Hull. One of the things I love about her is her focus. She, oh, look at that! Know, it's our was, favorite hand puppet, uh, Mrs. Culpepper. Welcome. Oh, it's good to see you, Adam Felber. Oh, to hear your voice. Um, uh, Tony Anita Hull is the best little producer we could ask for. She stays focused and uh. She's trying to kill herself on a cruise ship, uh, and we have to stop her. Given given who she works with, who can blame her? She has moved to a level of, of depression and unhappiness in her work with us. That is, she's throwing herself at every cruise ship deal she can find, uh, and she must be stopped. Tony, have you canceled your cruise ship reservation yet for December? I have not. It is still on. Well, she needs counseling. To... That's what she needs. She needs counseling. She's she's <laughs> bottoming out, if you will. I, you know what? I think for all the other risks associated with cruise ships, I'd be most scared of the food because uh, I don't know if you know this, Miss Culpepper, but sometimes food, especially if it's at a buffet, can be left out too long and become somewhat dangerous. I've heard of such a thing, Adam Filba. I have heard of that. Oh, you have? Why, yes, my husband, uh, uh, Captain Culpepper, uh, was in fact afflicted by a, uh, a a case of tyrotoxism. Tyrotoxism? Horrors. Yes, you don't, you don't a, mean a, a dairy poisoning. It was a poisoning by cheese or other dairy products. That is correct. And in his case, it was a cheese. In fact, it was a particular kind of cheese, Adam Felber. But, but we don't want to know, Miss Culpepper. It was the go to the him, Adam Felber. <laughs> Adam, let me ask you something. Yeah. Is there any way for the nobodies to get in touch with us? Well, yeah, I was trying to say they could they could email us at nobody listens to Paula Poundstone at gmail.com. And you know what? Um, we still have those contests and solicitations open. So if you want to submit something to our theme song contest or we're trying to get a good vocabulary song to possibly replace Paula's, please, God, please feel free to send those in. And speaking of hotel soap, Paula, you're not going to be on the road. So I guess you don't have to do any soap. Yes. <laughs> Who is it? Hey, Adam. Yeah. You know, the other thing we want is um, to just put more burden on the listeners. Uh, a brief but compelling uh, description of the show. You know, uh, right. I, I would love them to go up on the homepage of, uh, of my new website, which is up. That's right. Um, PaulaPoundstone.com is up. The store is up. Um, the store I'm told is the store open. Is, it's, the store's open. It's working. It's right there at paulapoundstone.com. Uh, you can get my Butterfinger single, Not My Butterfinger, which is a, a social justice rap song with Butterfingers as the jumping off point. Uh, you can get the ringtone, which is now available for download at paulapoundstone.com. And, you know, now might be a very good time to grab a copy of my book, The Totally Unscientific Study of the Search for Human Happiness, which is also available through my website. 
Oh, yeah. And you know what? Uh, let me just piggyback on that, Paula. If once you're done reading that, if you still think that reading is a good idea, you could go it to uh, Amazon and uh, buy my novel, Schrodinger's Ball by Adam Felber. You can get that on a Kindle or whatever. Or you could uh, buy my six book limited Marvel miniseries, The Scroll Kill Crew, Marvel Comics. I wrote that, too. Good. Buy wow. it. I dare you. You know, people keep complaining about being bored and look at the riches we're offering them. We're offering a lot of riches. You can find me and Adam on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. You're going to want to get away from me and Adam. Yeah, you will have had enough of us. And if you've had enough of us, I've got good news. That's our show. Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone <laughs> is hosted by Paula Poundstone and yours truly, Adam the Felber. Produced by Paula Poundstone, Adam Felber, Bonnie Burns, Ken Lezebnik, and Tony Anita Hull. Once again, we want to thank my oldest friend in the world, James Ross, for being a kick-ass house band. Thank you so much, Jim. Yeah, Jim, thank you. Oh, and by the way, yeah. Jim Jim was dying to do the part. When I told him that we were looking for musicians because Tony and Adam thought musicians wouldn't want to do it this way, he was like, what? Are you kidding me? He, okay. he yeah. shoved, there were harpists and violinists and viola yeah. players. He had to uh -huh. shove them out of the way to get in here. You got you. You guys are crazy. Every musician wants to do this show. No, I, I, a lot of musicians want to do this show. I was simply trying to have it so that musicians could volunteer rather than be asked, because then it feels like a homework assignment. Huh? No, it doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you what. You know what Jim said to me? He said, what? "I couldn't wait for you to ask." That's exactly what he said. <laughs> You're just making that up. <laughs> I am not. He said, he said, Paul, will you please ask me? That's exactly what he said. And then when I told him what you guys said, he said, they are so fucked up. And uh, Really? Because <laughs> yeah. I, I, I've so communicated mad. with him a lot. What's that, Tony? I said, I'm mad. Yeah. <laughs> no, you know what he said? When he found out that Tony was planning on going on a cruise, he said, you know, there's something about her. <laughs> said she's really she seems to be off keel a little bit and i said keel she was keel hold <laughs> wow and a big thank you to our special guest muhammad yunus <laughs> mixing by michael hoagie starburns production by land romo technical direction by jessica gutierrez transcription services for the show provided by transcribe me a premier internationally used transcription service use code paula poundstone when placing your order at transcribeme.com to receive an expedited service nine out of ten podcasters will say right now that's our show for tonight won't somebody please listen to me You actually talk to 10 podcasters? I do. Oh my god. I, I do. I talk you know, especially during the especially during the uh the stay at home order. Oh yeah. Uh, oh my god. My phone's ringing off the hook with people saying, "Well, you do my podcast." How many do you do? In fact, I I don't even say hello anymore. I pick up the phone and I go, "Yeah, I'll do your podcast." <laughs> it's one of the ways that society is changing that we don't say hello anymore. We say, yeah, I'll do a podcast.
Scarpins Audio, a podcast, <clears throat> a podcast network.